Yet though the music of the heart may grow faint, there is in each of us an unprotected place that beauty can always reach out and touch. It was Blaise Pascal who said, In difficult times, you should always carry something beautiful in your mind. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. I am Janelle, your professional heart lifter, and I am really excited about today's episode. We're going to delve into the topic of beauty. Okay, you might say, what does that have to do with our thoughts on gratitude and experiencing more joy in our mini course, Everyday Epiphanies, 28 Days to More Joy? Well, it really has everything to do with experiencing and becoming more grateful in our lives and that gratitude leading us to more joy. But it's funny because when I started researching for today's episode and gathering my thoughts, Google led me to quite an interesting situation. Most of the articles that were dominant had everything to do with, and you might guess, external beauty. Makeup being one of the the top tiered uh, selection that came up when I was looking, when I just searched beauty. But then I typed in, how does beauty affect our mental health? Well, once again, most of the articles that came up had to do with external beauty. And I was like, scratching my head. I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. And as an author, it's always interesting when you're researching either for your blog or either sometimes I'm researching for my clients. There's certain issues I want more support with and affirmation of my choices. And so this one has me curious. And I'm going to keep being curious about it. And we'll just see what unfolds about that. You know, are there resources out there that, that really speak to how seeing beauty through our eyes and having that enter into our body, what effect does that have on our mental health? Well, the one resource that I continue to return to over and over and over and over again in my life is by the beautiful poet and author John O'Donohue, an Irishman. He's no longer with us, which is so sad, but he's left us these brilliant works. And the one that I love so much, and the one I'm going to be sharing quite a bit from today, is called Beauty, the Invisible Embrace, Rediscovering the True Sources of Compassion, Serenity, and Hope. The Invisible Embrace. And that, to me, you know, when I want uh, the true meaning of something, I tend to turn to the poets because they 
utilize their words so carefully, and they're usually so very apt and so succinct. And John O'Donohue, in his book, Beauty, he really takes my breath away. It is so underlined and highlighted in dated way back so many years ago. So I've been reading it and rereading it and rereading it. And so I wanted to start with a section that he has in the book called In Difficult Times to Keep Something Beautiful in Your Heart. And I want to start here because we are post-election here in the States. Uh, Election day was Tuesday. I am taping this on Friday. We have yet to announce our president of the United States. And if you're here in this, well, if you're here anywhere, if you're reading anything about this anywhere in the world, you know that it's been quite contentious and oh, a lot of hurtful words are being spoken. And you know how I feel about that. And I wrestle, I wrestle deeply with the leader of our country using such awful rhetoric and hurtful words and slanderous slanderous thoughts. And uh, it's just, it grieves my heart. So I don't want to, I don't want to sit on that today. I want to focus on how we can actually do something about the contention, the negativity, the difficult energy that's just everywhere. And it's been curious to me as well that I've had several people contact me and say, how are you doing? How are you doing? And you know, I'm doing okay. I'm still grieving from the loss of my mom. So there's a lot of grief in there. I've been to two funerals this week. So there's just a lot of grief in my spheres right now. And I'm grieving over the state of our nation, the state of our president who uses such hurtful words and language and demeaning oppressive ways of of leading. And so I have been quite intentional, more strategic than ever in my life to take care of my mental health, my emotional well-being. Yes, it is the platform platform that I stand on. It is the table that I pound. I am committed to that threefold cord of emotional health and wellness, which I believe is the foundation of all relational, spiritual, every physical, every form of health in our life. That is a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. So you can imagine why I am so frustrated and grieving over the state of what I see with my eyes on the news and hear with my ears on every news and internet station. So today we are going to spend time learning how to develop a healthy mindset during negative times, during difficult situations. And you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, my last decade with my mom and all of her medical traumas, my own traumas and my daughters, just been in a lot of difficult places. So John O'Donohue writes, there are times when life seems little more than a matter of struggle and endurance. When difficulty and disappointment form a crust around the heart. Because it can be deeply hurt, the heart hardens. Okay, I'm interjecting here. If you are resonating with that, please, please order my current book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story. 
It's on Amazon. Let me guide you, please, through the heart lift journey, where you look at your heart and you bring the past hurts, the negative narratives, the crustiness into the present long enough to make meaning of it, make sense with it, and find your way to make peace so that you can live into your full potential and your God-breathed destiny. There are corners, he writes, in every heart which are utterly devoid of illusion, places where we know and remember the nature of devastation. Yet through the music of the heart, yet though the music of the heart may grow faint, there is in each of us an unprotected place that beauty can always reach out and touch. It was Blaise Pascal who said, In difficult times, you should always carry something beautiful in your mind. Oh my goodness. That right there, my friends, my dear, dear, stronger everyday community, is where I have been planting and grounding my feet, my body, my soul my mind, making sure that every day I am experiencing something that awes me. I am on high alert looking for everyday epiphanies. And remember, an epiphany is just something that takes your breath away. Oh, I love that. He continues, Rilke said that during such times, we should endeavor to stay close to one simple thing in nature. When the mind is festering with trouble or the heart torn, we can find healing among the silence of mountains or fields or listen to the simple steadying rhythm of waves. The slowness and the stillness gradually take us over. Our breathing deepens and our hearts calm and our hungers relent. When serenity is restored, new perspectives open to us and difficulty can begin to seem like an invitation to new growth. Oh, this is also the experience of prayer. Oh, I just love this. The tired machinations of the ego are abandoned. It no longer needs to push or prove itself in the combat of competition. How relevant, my friends, are these words? Beneath the frenetic streams of thought, the quieter elemental nature of the self takes over and calms our presence. Rather than taking us out of ourselves, nature coaxes us deeper inwards teaches us to rest in the serenity of our elemental nature. When we go out among nature, clay is returning to clay. <laughs> oh, here in the in my Judeo-Christian worldview, oh my goodness, you know that we came from dust and from and to dust we shall return. We are returning to participate in the stillness of the earth which first dreamed us. That's our Genesis 2-7, isn't it? This stillness is rich and fecund. One might think that an invitation to enter into the stillness of nature is merely naive romanticism. 
that likes to indulge itself and escape from the cut and thrust of life into some narcissistic cocoon. Lean in, my friends. This invitation to friendship with nature does, of course, entail a willingness to be alone out there. This is the tough part for many, many, many of us. It it definitely has been a decades-long ambition of my own, and I am so grateful that the decades of hard work and uh, intention setting and prayer has has led me to be able to really uh, embody these words. Yet this aloneness is anything but lonely. Solitude gradually clarifies the heart until a true tranquility is reached. The irony is that at the heart of that aloneness, you feel intimately connected with the world. Indeed, the beauty of nature is often the wisest balm, for it gently relieves and releases the caged mind. Calmness flows in to wash away anxiety and worry. The 13th century mystic Meister Eckhart has always encouraged such calmness. He was such a wise man. He called that, and I'm, I know that I will mispronounce this, Galhasenite. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. G-E-L-A-S-S-E-N-H-E-I-T. Just look that up. Over against the world with all its turbulence, distraction, and worry, one should cultivate a style of mind that can reach through to an inner stillness and calm. The world cannot ruffle. Oh, hear me. I've highlighted this three times. The world cannot ruffle the dignity of a soul that dwells in its own tranquility. Wow. Gradually, this serenity will begin to pervade our seeing and change the way we look at things. The heart of vision is shaped by the state of the soul. Okay, we're going to come back to John O'Donohue at the end and forgive all of my papers, but I wanted to read one little excerpt from a great article in Time magazine dated 2014, I believe. And it just says, a researcher, Dr. Lee, a professor at the Nippon Medical School in Tokyo, found that trees and plants emit aromatic compounds called phyt- phytoncides. P-H-Y-T-O-N-C-I-D-E-S for all my gardeners and botanist friends and naturalists. These phytoncides or phytoncides, when they're inhaled, can spur healthy biological changes in a manner similar to aromatherapy. Oh my goodness, which has also been studied for its therapeutic benefits. Well, you can imagine that that was an everyday epiphany for me. That was an aha. As an aromatherapist, as a certified aroma freedom practitioner, I used strategically designed therapeutic grade essential oils to help all of my clients, to help myself for sure, 
and to help anyone in my sphere of influence utilize these, these specific essential oils to clear their neural pathways of any negative emotions that have been stuck there for years, this stuckness. It's a beautiful quote by John O'Donohue as well. And he says, if one has become stuck in a certain narrow or predictable way of seeing, the outside light cannot bring color into one's life. Oh my goodness. This stuckness in our neural pathways, these negative feedback loops can be changed. They can experience neuroplasticity. Please visit my website, JanelleRairden.com, and read more about the use of aromatherapy for your mental health and your emotional wellness. And now we see in the in just this little study, I only read a you know a small portion of it, but trees and plants emit these same types of aromatic compounds. Well, of course they do, because in there are so many therapeutically grade essential oils that come from trees, and they all come from plants and herbs and all of these things. So these trees emit these beautiful compounds called phytocides. In his studies, Dr. Lee has shown that when people walk through or stay overnight in forest, they often exhibit changes in the blood that are associated with protection against cancer, better immunity, and lower blood pressure. They go on in that article in Time Magazine, and I, I know about it because my, my older daughter, Candace, has talked to me about forest bathing. It's called forest bathing, and you can read that article, and I will once again put it up in our show notes on the power of nature. Now, in my new book, Stronger Every Day, coming out, I just heard today that it's at the, pub, it's at the, ah, at the printer and that the delivery date for the book is December 2nd. So I'll probably get some copies and then you'll definitely be seeing that launched in January. But it is on Amazon, so you can pre-order that. And I would love for you to do that so that you can get it as soon as they get it. Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. I speak in Stronger Every Day that one of the powerful emotional health tools is nature. And I am, I experience God in nature. I experience God more in nature than I do anywhere. And I love in Gary Thomas's book, The Sacred Pathways, he gives us nine different ways that we all experience God. And so I write a little bit more about that in, in the new book. But maybe you're stuck in a predictable way of seeing. And these words that I am offering to you today are stirring your soul. In our last episode, we talked about being a stranger to optimism and positivity. Well, maybe today I ask, are you a stranger to being vigilant or to seeking some beauty in your everyday life? Are you a stranger to the practice of gratitude? Are you a stranger to getting outside? Not everybody likes to be outside. I understand that. But what we're bringing to light today is how important it is for us to see with our eyes and hear with our ears and experience with our being nature, beauty, 
maybe going to an art museum. I do not know. I go to my favorite little local retail store, A. Dotson's, and I just walk around when I'm finding my stress levels getting high. And I just look at the beautiful things that she has inside of her store. And there's there's just something about it. I just when I see beauty, I respond and my my nervous system calms down, my blood pressure lowers, I feel better. It's possibly why I've been walking like crazy through this COVID, walking my way through COVID. So I also read in this article, uh, another article on Time magazine by Abigail Abrams, and it was in 2017, so three years ago, about the quality of green space, broadleaf woods, parks that feature water biodiverse communities, experiencing quality green spaces. And I I watched a beautiful show. I think it was either, I don't know, PBS or I don't remember, but where they're creating uh, green walls like in cities so that people have spaces to go and to be near something green. Trees have that natural fragrance. We have learned that, that lower our stress hormone hormone cortisol. And we also know, listen to this, experiences of awe attune us to things larger than ourselves. They make us feel less entitled, less selfish, more grateful, oh yeah, and more generous. That's research done by Paul Piff of the University of California, Irvine. He said also that experiences of awe, A-W-E, which we're talking about with our everyday epiphanies, being on a vigilant treasure hunt every day for something that takes our breath away. Well, he has proven in his research that experiences of awe and wonder are linked to lower levels of inflammatory compounds in the body. Man, that is a mic drop. (laughs) That is incredible. So here we're hearing, right? We're hearing more and more and more evidence how trees and plants and experiences of wonder and awe, how these quell our fight-flight-freeze. They calm down our amygdala. Those two little almond-shaped things in our brain where our fight-flight-freeze is stored, our survival mechanism, where we get heightened in periods of stress. So we're all about that here in the Stronger Everyday community, as you know. We're doing everything we can to help us all move through our life with greater equanimity, greater homeostasis, greater balance, greater security, and feel safe in our own bodies. That is what we're about. So I'm just going to take a minute as we are moving through this, and we're going to do Alexio Divina again. I just feel like it's uh, very necessary at this time of heightened stress in our world that we turn to God's Word and we allow it to wash over us and to offer us a sense of stability. Bring us home to ourselves. Bring us to the greater reality that there is a God. He does see us. He is in control. And that gives me great peace. I love the, I believe it's in the Psalms, great peace have they which love your law. Great peace is given to those who stand and are grounded on the words of God. 
So I'm going to read to you from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning with verse 19 and ending with verse 34. And I invite you to come into this beautiful contemplative practice of Lexio Divina, divine reading, one of our top spiritual tools for understanding the Word of God. And I just ask you to put yourself there. Transport yourself back in time and pretend you are walking with Jesus. And he just begins talking and teaching as he did. They would walk and talk and he would share these profound messages with his followers. And that's us. I want you just to listen, see what speaks to you. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into the body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money, both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror even gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention, to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, getting more, more, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, 
don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your attention to God, to what He is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just take a few minutes. Press pause or just let this beautiful meditation, this beautiful time just sit in you for a spell. I'll be here when you get back. I'm not going anywhere. So I'm going to read it to you one more time. You knew I would. In Lexio Divina, I love to have it read twice to three times. And I love to go out into nature and surround myself by beautiful trees or the ocean or a body of water or just sit on my back porch or my front porch, put on my headphones and just let these words sink deep into my soul. And I like to notice, what am I hearing? What whispers am I hearing from God? What am I noticing? What is He saying to me? What impressions are being made in my soul and spirit as I listen? Matthew 6, starting with verse 19, closing with verse 34. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worst, worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows to the body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and awe and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to God than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the trees. Look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen such color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of you, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, getting, getting. More, more, more. 
so you can respond to God's giving, to Him giving you more gratitude, more love, more patience, more joy. People who don't know God and the way He works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now here in your sphere of influence. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So beautiful, my friends. I hope that these words, this beautiful passage of scripture that I read to you from Matthew 6, 19 through 34 from the Message Bible written by Eugene Peterson, I hope something spoke to you as it did to me. Come back, rewind it, listen to it again and again, as I said, in a quiet place. And I want to leave you with these words from John O'Donohue's book, Beauty. He writes, The human gaze is not the closed, fixed view of a camera, but is creative and constructive. Both the gaze that sees and the object that is seen construct themselves simultaneously in the one act of vision. So much depends, then, on how we see things. Lean in here. You and I have been talking about the frame through which we look at life. What frames your perceptions, your viewpoints, your worldview? What frames how you see the world? So much depends then on how we see things. More often than not, the style of gaze determines what we see. There are many things near us that we never notice simply because of the way we see. The way we look at things has a huge influence on what becomes visible for us. Listen to this beautiful metaphor he uses. If a house has been closed up for a long time, a film of dust settles on the windows. Decayed residue gradually manages to seal out the light. When we go into such a place, we smell the dankness of sour and the fetid air. The same thing can happen in the rooms of the mind. If one has become stuck, this is what we spoke just a few minutes ago. If one has become stuck in a certain narrow or predictable way of seeing, the outside light cannot bring color into one's life. Eventually, the windows of the mind become blinded by an imperceptible film of dead thought and old feelings so that the air within the mind becomes stale. Life lessens and the outside world loses its invitation and its challenge, and I add, loses that beautiful power of looking for everyday epiphanies. When no fresh light can come into the mind, the color and beauty fade from life. There is an uncanny symmetry between the inner and the outer world. Each person is the sole inhabitant of their own 
inner world. No one else can get in there to configure how things are seen. Each of us is responsible for how we see, and how we see determines what we see. Seeing is not merely a physical act. The heart of vision is shaped by the state of soul. When the soul is alive to beauty, we begin to see life in a fresh and vital way. The old habits of seeing are broken. The coating of dead dust falls from the windows. Freed from their dead forms, the elements of one's life reveal new urgency and possibility. (laughs) The graced eye can glimpse beauty anywhere. For beauty does not reserve itself for special elite moments or instances. It does not wait for perfection, but is present already secretly in everything. When we beautify our gaze, the grace of hidden beauty becomes our joy and our sanctuary. Can I hear an amen here? This is so good. When we beautify our gaze, the grace of hidden beauty becomes our joy and our sanctuary. That, my friends, is what we are doing. We are on this adventure, this treasure hunt in these 28 days leading us into the, the holidays, waking up with eyes open and ears open and hearts wide open to receive the everyday epiphanies that are waiting for us along the path of our life. We are living a wide awake life, like Mary says in The Secret Garden, that beautiful children's classic. That is how we will navigate, how we will move forward in any difficult circumstance. When we know the secret and we fix our gaze, that the eyes focus is our gaze. When we fix our gaze on the beautiful world that is around us, We've slowed down long enough. We're sitting on benches. We're sitting on front porches, back porches, and we're getting a snapshot of the beauty that life has opened its arms to give to us. Oh, I can't wait. I want to hear about your everyday epiphanies. And I hope that today helps you add to your emotional health and mental health wellness toolbox the beautiful tool of beauty. Focus on one beautiful, simple aspect of God's creation around you. Go to an art museum. Go to an aquarium. Go to a lake. Sit around your table at dinner time and share this with each other. What did you find today? What was your everyday epiphany? Express your gratitude to one another. And I guarantee you that the dessert of the evening will be served on a beautiful platter of joy, and there will be laughter, and there will be peace. Until next time, friend, please, please, please always remember that you have value, worth, and dignity. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.